You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of the 415ers podcast coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, along with 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with us as always. Mark, my man, how are you doing? It is, it, it, it's not the night before Christmas. I know, it, you know it's a regular <laughs> season game, but it feels just like it's a big game on Sunday for the 49ers with Miami Dolphins coming into town. It's a huge game. I mean, you can make a case this is uh, the most important game of the year for the 49ers, and we'll get into it. Um, it's, besides the Chiefs, the team's biggest challenge of the year, I think certainly without a doubt. Um, probably the the most they're going to be challenged the rest of the season as well. Uh, it's, it's not the most difficult schedule moving forward for San Francisco either, so maybe a last chance to really kind of measure yourself against an elite team in the league. And it's an important game as well. If you still have, you know, sights on a number two seed in the NFC, which are still within grasp, you're only two games behind the Vikings right now, then this is a really important game. Sure, it's an AFC opponent. It's not really going to factor into any tiebreaker scenarios or anything like that. But still, it's it's a huge game. And I think uh, considering everything we talked about last episode, Evan, with, um, you know, kind of the hurt feelings going into it, it seems like all the former 49ers who are now Dolphins. Um, I think for multiple reasons, this is a big game that both teams have been looking forward to. And then as a result, us and and all other football fans are looking forward to it as well. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think you touched on a couple of important things there. One, of course, which we'll get to uh, the fact, like how it plays into the whole playoff picture but first and foremost, like I, I'm with you, I, I've been looking forward to this game for quite some time, not just because of, you know, sort of the, the personal relationships involved, but because it's the 49ers, I think, best chance to get a look at what they may see in the playoffs. And that is a team that can first and foremost put up points, a team that secondly has been tested, maybe more so than you have throughout this year. And three also has some sort of familiarity with you. You can't say that about many, if any, of the opponents outside of perhaps the Rams and your division, then the guys on the rest of your on, on rest of your schedule. So for me, I'm with you. This is a this is a huge game for the 49ers. And right now the Dolphins are eight and three. They have a five game winning streak coming in. I believe they've technically only lost one game without their starting quarterback to a Tunga Bailoa. Meanwhile, the 49ers, of course, had a much different sort of rocky start to their season than the Dolphins, but they are seven and four. They have four games that they have won consecutively coming in. And to begin December, this is an opportunity for, look, I, I, I know that a loss, which is obviously possible against a good team of Miami, is not the end all be all. But I do think that a lot of both fans and critics are looking for like that that signature win. I mean, maybe we thought it was going to be a little bit against the Chargers on Sunday night, but of course the Chargers were missing a lot of starters, particularly on offense. Like this to me is maybe the first time where you have a team in Miami that is about as healthy as one could be and about playing as good of football as they could play, as well as the 49ers who 
We're going to get into some of the injuries that they've sustained from last week and, and may or may not you know, be keeping an eye on heading into the game. But they are playing their best football of the year. So you got two powerhouses going head-to-head. I'm a little bit surprised this game was not necessarily flexed to a Sunday night matchup because it, it has that feel. Uh, but, you know, Cowboys, it, America's team, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, but Mark, it, it has all the makings of a heavyweight title fight. It really does. And uh, I think to your point about a signature win, that's not something that that probably the 49ers care about all that much. I mean, they are only responsible and, in, in, you know, in charge of beating whoever is on their schedule. And recently they've done a good job of that. They've won four in a row. Miami's won five in a row. You know, if you were to kind of take a snapshot of the season up to this point. Niners at seven and four. They've won four in a row, two wins over the Rams, win over the Chargers. And you look at that, kind of this resume to this point, at the beginning of the season, and no one is having that conversation of who have the Niners beat. Because now you look back on it and it's okay, you've beaten the three-win pitiful Rams. I think that's a little bit of revisionist history because when the Niners beat them, they weren't nearly as injured and beaten up as they are now. Specifically the first time, yeah. Yeah, specifically that first matchup, but still certainly even then. I mean, we we said it, I think, after that week three game uh, or week four game, uh, this Rams team is terrible, and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And that has been one of our, you know, takes that that has come true. It (laughs) looks like it's going to this year. Um, So certainly this this is a team where you can – you know, from the outside in again, I don't think the team really cares about it that much, but, uh, you know, elsewhere, you know, media folks, people trying to, you know, figure out if this is a real team that has a chance to win some playoff games. That's the big, you know, sticking point as well. Who have they beaten up to this point of the season? And, you know, they got blown out at home by the Chiefs. Um, and, and now they have a chance to kind of get that monkey off their back, beat a really good team, beat a high-powered offense. And Miami certainly qualifies for that. You mentioned they haven't lost with Tua Tagovailoa as their starting quarterback or, or one loss. And really, that one loss was the game in which he went out, that Thursday night game in Cincinnati where the Bengals caught a ton of flack for letting Tua even play in that game. Because remember, the week prior, week three at home against Buffalo, their best win of the season was when Tua originally got hurt, had that head injury. He came back late in that game and helped them win, and then he starts against Cincinnati, kind of gets swung to the, the turf and hits his head, and his you know concussion symptoms flare up again, and then the rest is history. He missed the next two games. They lose to the Jets. They lose to Minnesota, but again, both with backup or even third-string quarterbacks playing. I think it was Teddy Bridgewater originally in the Jets game. He then gets hurt. And then they bring in Skylar Thompson, I believe, who most people probably haven't heard of. Why would you? He's a third-string quarterback in the NFL. And those are the only games they've lost. So this is certainly a, a really, really quality team. Mike McDaniel has, you know, kind of, you know, been the, you know, the head coaching darling of the league so far this year because of, of what he's done. He's done a fantastic, fantastic job, but it's also very obvious they have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball. And it's just going to be so incredibly fun to see two great minds, Mike McDaniel and Shanahan, obviously, but Mike McDaniel specifically against D'Amico Ryans, who we've been singing the praises of all year long. That matchup, just the the chess match between those two guys is going to be really intriguing. Yeah, there's a lot of parallels. And hey, look, 
you mentioned it earlier this season, but D'Amico Ryans could be headed for a Mike McDaniel type path in the future. He's which gone. Is he is a head gone. coaching job. Uh, that that is TBD would not <laughs> be surprised, however, especially with the way this defense is playing. But this is also a defense now that has to go up against the second best aerial attack in football statistically, but maybe most notably, Mark, a team that's put up 30 points in the last four games that they've played. Like they have scored against no matter who's been in front of them. Last week may not be as impressive for those who saw their, like they went up 30 at the half against Houston and pretty much just coasted to a win, but they have put up points against good defenses throughout this season. I'm glad you also mentioned Mike McDaniel because this is is kind of, I, I think a storyline that that people have forced more so on the Dolphins than the Niners, which is okay. If this is a more important game for Kyle Shanahan or Mike McDaniel, you probably are saying Mike McDaniel just because he's the first year head coach. Even though I think he's on a trajectory to win at this point, head coach of the year uh, with the way that he is really just flip this team from last year to this. And especially with all the off the field things that have surrounded Miami, the top two options might be Shanahan coaching tree guys, Robert Sala with the jets. Uh, maybe you can make a case for Brian Dable as well. And then Mike McDaniel in Miami. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, but the reason why I do think this is a bigger game for the 49ers and we've touched on it a bit is because I, it, it feels to me, Mark, like the 49ers have been a bit untested to this point. And that is also a credit to them because especially in the last month, month and a half, they've taken care of business against whoever's been in front of them, but they haven't had a win that you can look at and say that projects to them going and playing in the first or second week of February. Like they have, they, they have, I think a bit of, of doubt surrounding them, not their defense, but can their offense maintain a pace with a team like Miami that, as we just said, has scored 30 points against their last four opponents. Can their offense keep up when their defense does not pitch a second-half shutout? That's not going to happen every single week. That's, to me, why this game is as much important for Shanahan and the 49ers and maybe more so than the Miami Dolphins. Because although Mike McDaniel is in his first year, the Dolphins are newly formed. They have a lot to prove and have done it so far with an 8-3 and three record. The 49ers, to me, they are the more veteran group. They have been here before and have gone deep in the playoffs before. But this season, to me, in this matchup, they have more to prove because they are more untested than Miami. Yeah. I agree with you. I think it's going to make it make for a really, really intriguing matchup. And um, I think we're going to see because it this game means a lot for the 49ers, as you just laid out. It, it certainly, of course, means a lot for the Dolphins as well. I mean, they're still a team that could potentially get the first seed in the AFC chasing the Kansas City Chiefs right now. The Bills with a few losses, uh, you know, they're down the pecking order just a little bit, but that's still open kind of a three horse race. The Bengals might have something to say about that, but probably too many early season struggles to be in that conversation. Um, but I think what makes this matchup super interesting is how the Miami offense likes to attack. And we've talked a lot. And, you know, if you're a football fan, you've heard a lot about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And you might think specifically with Tyreek Hill, okay, he's the deep threat. He takes the top off the defense. He's going to get you you know, 
a 40 yards in the air and then he'll run with the with the pass after that. In reality, that's not, you know, the the strong point of the Dolphins offense. Where they get their yards is by using their speed, Tyreek Hill included, of course, to make the defensive backs and linebackers respect that. They, it opens up so much space in the middle of the field. And if you look at some of the numbers, and this is from Next Gen Stats on Twitter, breaking it down, Tua Tagovailoa, 38 completions targeting the intermediate middle third of the field. So that's basically between the hash marks, a little bit outside the hash marks on either side, and you know, 10 or 15 yards down the field. So not deep down the field, not just across the line of scrimmage, but that intermediate middle third of the field. That's 16 more completions than any other quarterback in the NFL. Again, Tua, 38 completions targeting that middle intermediate third of the field. You look at the Niners defensively on the flip side. Guess what? They take away that same part of the field, the intermediate middle third, better than any other team in the NFL. In fact, again, from Next Gen Stats, since drafting Fred Warner in 2018, the Niners have allowed just 71 completions in that area, that intermediate middle part of the field beyond the line of scrimmage. 15 fewer completions than any other defense in the NFL from that point. So not only do you just have the strength of a great offense against a good de- a great defense, but you have what that offense wants to do, targeting that middle third of the field against a defense that takes that away better than any other defense in the NFL. And I, for one, am I absolutely cannot wait to see how these teams adjust to try to make that work because you know that's the bread and butter for both the the Miami offense and the San Francisco defense. Something has got to give in that battle because, of course, both can't have success in that area. I'm with you, Mark, and I, for one, don't think it's also a coincidence that since Fred Warner was drafted and has manned the middle, that that yep. stat has been relevant. Uh, he is he is unbelievable, and and we, of course, highlighted him a lot in the New Orleans Saints game with everything he did and all uh, of his production against New Orleans. I do think that, look, I, I, I've i honestly been surprised, not just how good Tyreek Hill has been away from Kansas City, but how they also in Kansas City haven't necessarily skipped a beat without him. It's probably been one of the few times where you haven't seen like a, a, a fall off or a correlation between a star leaving a place and, <laughs> and neither side's really been hurt by it. Yeah. And Miami's definitely benefited from it, Mark. Yeah, they certainly have. I mean, Jalen Waddle was good last year, but they didn't quite have the offense that they have this year. And a lot of that is because of uh, of Tyreek Hill and in his addition. You also have to, of course, credit uh, Mike McDaniel and, and what he's been able to do. But you bringing up Tyreek Hill and Kansas City has got me thinking. You remember when he said, I, I don't remember if it was preseason or if it was early in the season. He was asked, you know, on your new team, what's it like being with Tua? And he said, straight up, you know, like name-checking Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Tua is more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, that comment kind of, you know, makes you think about what Raheem Mostert did he, said. Yeah, did did he say it's nice to be with a quarterback who can sling it finally? <laughs> but, like, Raheem Mostert never, you know, in that quote, didn't name-check Jimmy Garoppolo, didn't say, yeah, Tua, he better slinger with the football than Jimmy Garoppolo. Meanwhile, Tyreek Hill straight up says, yeah, Tua more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. And I'm sure it was a gigantic deal, you know, in Kansas City and Kansas City Sports Talk Radio and all the affiliated podcasts and all that. 
but that's Tyreek Hill, not necessarily dissing, but yeah, dissing one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Raheem Mostert says something that might be about Jimmy Garoppolo, but he never actually says his name and everyone loses their minds. It's just, it's just kind of funny. Yeah, I think Tyreek Hill also did that interview like shirtless in a locker room with <laughs> hockey goggles on, and people weren't really sure whether to take him seriously or yeah, not. Good point. No, the Miami Dolphins have been the, the subliminal shooters of, of the NFL to this point this year. And I also think that it starts with their head coach and Mike McDaniels. 